war. War never changes. What's up, Wastelanders? Boys and girls, prepare to be astounded, bedazzled, and otherwise stupefied. <laughs> you talk a lot. Sound funny when you talk like a stupid human. <laughs> I am online once again. Tremble, world, before my electric eating coil of doom. What's up, Wastelanders? Welcome to Tapes from the Wastes, a Fallout fan podcast, bringing you Fallout lore, news, discussions, gameplay, and more. I'm one of your hosts, KDB. This is one of our mini-tape episodes. We do these from time to time just to fill gaps between our longer uh, deep-dive lore episodes and discussion episodes. Um, Yes, so we've got another new lore episode coming very, very soon, but just to tide things over... We've got today's episode, which is a mini-tape on the Death Claws. So if you're a fan of Fallout, you'll be very aware of the Death Claws, but here we're just going to have a little look, not a huge deep dive into Death Claws, but a little overview of how they came to be, uh, their purpose in the wasteland, and all that kind of stuff. Some interesting facts that you might not know about Death Claws. So I do hope you enjoy. As I said, we'll be back again soon uh, with a a much longer lore episode, but for now, here's the mini-tape. Truce? Truce. No one has to be anyone's dinner tonight. Uh, good Deathclaw. Good boy, stay. Deathclaws are a large, carnivorous, bipedal reptile species, designed for maximum lethality. The choice to make them bipedal was natural, as bipedalism raises the head, providing a greater field of vision and thus improving the ability to detect targets or resources. The upper limbs were also freed by this choice and could be fashioned into extremely dangerous weapons. The caveat is that the Deathclaw is not as fast as a quadrupedal animal, though this is largely academic concern. The rippling musculature of the Deathclaw provides it with superior strength, excellent speed and incredible resilience in most combat situations. Deathclaws communicate with each other in a pack using growls and body language, though they are also capable of mimicking human voices like a parrot if their intelligence is artificially increased. Their strength is further magnified by their claws. Owing to their lineage, the Deathclaw has opposable thumbs though an additional two fingers were coded into the genome for a total of five fingers on each hand. Each terminates in a sharp talon that allows the reptile to wound and kill with frightening efficiency. A single swipe is capable of bisecting an unarmoured human in seconds. Deathclaw Hide is extremely tough, providing an excellent defence against blunt and edged weapons. Firearms and energy weapons are reliable tools for killing a Deathclaw, though lower powered variants are very likely to have trouble penetrating it. The defence is enhanced by horns and dorsal spikes, making melee combat a very dangerous proposition. However, while they are difficult opponents, their keen senses can be used against them. Loud noises and bright lights such as that emitted by flares can be used to deter a Deathclaw's advance or even keep it at bay. Originally engineered before the Great War by the US government as a cheap replacement for human troops during combat operations, Deathclaws were derived from a mixed animal stock primarily the popular Jackson's Chameleon. 
Although the project was successful in creating a ferocious predator capable of surviving on its own in the wild, no references exist of them ever being deployed on the battlefield. After the Great War, Deathclaws escaped into the wild and quickly spread across the continent. The Enclave had no hand in the Deathclaws creation, so far as the Appalachian Enclave's research division knows, but they do note that the genetic manipulation looks similar to their own projects. Eventually, they were refined by the Master through genetic manipulation and the forced evolutionary virus, the FEV. Because initial reports were limited to a series of isolated nests, Deathclaws were viewed as a legendary creatures by various inhabitants of Southern California. However, the population in the Boneyard was keenly aware of their existence, as a single den mother and her offspring claimed the area between Downey and Norwalk around 2161, keeping the gunrunners in checkmate while terrorising other communities in the region. Also, a single Deathclaw was found living near the outskirts of the Hub. Their gradual spread throughout the wasteland raised awareness of their existence until they entered common consciousness as a lethal predator. As stated, the Enclave eventually continued their research project started before the war, developing intelligent Deathclaws for use in hostile environments around 2235. On May 17, 2242, the first successful pack was dropped into Vault 13 to cloak the presence of the Enclave and their abduction of the dwellers within. Following their first combat test, the Deathclaws broke free of the Enclave Masters, becoming far more intelligent than anyone could foresee. They began developing a unique culture as the first known non-humanoid sentient beings in history. However, their intelligence was discovered by Dr. Schreiber of Navarro, whose report led to extermination of intelligent Deathclaws with extreme prejudice. Subsequent experimentation involved the aforementioned domestication units, although by the end of the 23rd century. Behaviour Deathclaws are pack animals, with a leadership role assumed by the alpha pair, the strongest male and female Deathclaws in the group. The remainder of the pack follows the leaders and migrates along with them. Coupled with their pack behaviour is a fierce territorial instinct. Deathclaws will usually opt for territories away from inhabited areas, most likely due to the noise, but may settle into temporarily abandoned human buildings and areas, as was the case with the Boneyard Warehouses circa 2161 or Quarry Junction in 2281. Once it claims a territory, a pack exceeding, is exceedingly difficult to dislodge, as the alpha male will not abandon a claimed territory even if the pack mother is killed, while the alpha female will simply choose another mate to procreate. As such, reclaiming a deathclaw territory usually requires either killing both pack leaders, causing the pack to scatter, or wiping out the entire pack. Neither is particularly easy. Reproduction Deathclaws are made even more dangerous by their reproductive instincts. Unlike Jackson's chameleons, deathclaws are an oviparous species. species. Female deathclaws will lay eggs in clusters sired by the strongest male deathclaws in the pack, typically the alpha male. Survival of the pack is coded into the deathclaws, and the pack leaders will instinctively select only the strongest partners for procreation. If killed, the pack mother will typically be replaced by another female in short order. While Deathclaw eggs are durable and resilient with a remarkably long shelf life, Deathclaws will seek out dark, sheltered areas to set up their nests. Lone Deathclaws will also claim territories and create nests, usually in sheltered and secluded areas. If they are female and have been impregnated by a male Deathclaw, they will prepare a separate nest for their young, 
procreating their hardy eggs with whatever small objects, sorry, protecting their hardy eggs with whatever their small objects are at hand, such as small rocks, fallen leaves, twigs, and bones left over from their meals. A juvenile deathclaw is born without prominent horns or dorsal spikes, which grow as it matures, and both of which act as secondary, secondary sex characteristics. Horns grow forwards on males, with larger being more desirable, and grow back and upwards on females. Dorsal spikes grow much the same way as horns on males, and act much the same way with, larger, with the larger being more desirable, but on females, dorsal spikes do not grow as large as they do on males, and tend to be short in comparison. Claws, on the other hand, are present from day one. Baby death claws are born with a light brown skin tone and live under the protection of their parents within the pack. The skin darkens as the death claw matures, reaching deep brown upon entering adulthood, and eventually dark brown, black, or even black and blue for old, experienced death claws. Relationships with humans. While death claws do not actively seek out human habitats to attack, human expansion inevitably leads to the two species coming into contact usually by accident. Death claws are incredibly dangerous to humans, no matter how well prepared they are. Even Brotherhood of Steel patrols are known to suffer severe casualties if they walk into a death claws territory unaware. The Enclave sought to exploit their fierce instincts and ferocity and use them as cheap, expendable troops for use in hostile environments. Their initial experiments, starting in 2235, focused on using a modified FEV strain to artificially increase the intelligence of Deathclaws, and succeeded in creating a single pack of modified intelligent Deathclaws, led by Grutha. Intended to only be smart enough to follow orders issued by their handlers, they have developed far higher intelligence than the project assumed was possible. After the first unit was fielded, Dr. Schreiber's experimentation revealed that the fact the whole breed was summarily ex experimented exterminated at the site they were first unleashed, which was Vault 13. Subsequent efforts, once the Enclave regrouped at Raven Rock, were focused on cruder but more reliable methods, domestication units. These devices are surgically implanted into a captive Deathclaw's brain and skull, allowing Enclave troops to issue commands to the fierce reptiles as if they were pets. Of course, without human interface, Deathclaws are a continuing hazard in the wasteland. Despite the efforts of the hunter teams, they continue to set up nests throughout the wastelands. The ferocity of Deathclaws and their incredible resilience has earned them the respect of the wastelanders. Their existence was treated in scepticism in the first century of the war, and many considered them a tall tale, on the order of ghosts and demons. However, the steady increase in Deathclaw populations eventually secured them a place in the common consciousness. When used for co comparisons, deathclaws are usually synonymous with ferocity and resilience. Deathclaw eggs are also a known delicacy used to make omelettes that are highly nourishing and delicious at the same time. So here's some insight from Scott Campbell, a developer on Fallout 1 and 2. Was it always a big scaly lizard thing? No. My initial design for the terrible creature was the apex predator of the wasteland, a mix of a wolverine and brown bear mutated by the FEV. It could survive the environment and feared nothing, a legendary force of nature that struck terror into the hearts of men. Unfortunately, the artist took one look at my concept sketch and said, dude, that's way too much hair. It was true. The wolverine bear was very furry, and there was just no way around it. So here's what happened. The newly formed Black Isles started working on what would be Planescape Torment. One of the first art pieces was a monstrous creature called a Tarask. 
It was sculpted in clay and was then point by painstaking point digitized in a 3D model. As Planescape moved forward, it turned out that, Tarisk, that the Tarisk wouldn't actually be featured in its design, leaving the tasty model in disuse. Thus, the furry wolverine bear became a hairless reptilian biped. Thanks so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed that little overview of Death Claws. I certainly learnt a few new things. Um, we will be back very soon, probably in the next couple of weeks, with our new lore episode. In the meantime, you can f- catch up with our recent past episodes. Before this, we did uh, Eric and I did a discussion on Fallout 3 and a bit of a retrospective, and that's become uh, one of our m- most listened to recent episodes, so thank you for taking the time to listen to that if you have. If you haven't, please do go check it out, along with many of our previous episodes, which are all are all available on all the usual good podcast platforms. If you're a listener on iTunes, please do... uh, Sorry, it's not called iTunes anymore, is it? It's Apple Podcasts. Please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars would be lovely. That helps helps us in all kinds of ways. And yeah, that would be mostly appreciated. Until then, you can find us on Twitter and social media and on Instagram. Uh, On Twitter, we are at TFTWpod. Uh, Let me just check that's right <laughs> i should know the um uh, the twitter account for the podcast but i run a few twitter accounts so sometimes yeah i get confused yes you can find us on twitter at at tftw pod and you can find us on instagram at tapes i think it's just tapes from the waste yeah it's just tapes from the waste at tapes from the waste on instagram at tftw pod on twitter there we go got through it So thanks again for listening. Until next time, stay safe out there, Wanderers.